You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, hanging out with my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, Thursday, September 24th, we are at the most anticipated game of the season in just what, three or four short days. Chiefs and Ravens on Monday Night Football. How are you feeling? I'm feeling uh, apprehensive about it. Honestly. Oh, you're a little nervous. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And why well, is that? It's going to be a close game. It's, it's hard to describe it any other way, you know? You don't you don't believe in your Kansas City Chiefs in this oh, one? I, I do. I do. I think I said that the other day, and I and I still believe the Chiefs have a, a very good chance to win this game, but it's just going to be a tough game. It's a tough team to play, and they're going to be motivated to beat the Chiefs. They haven't beaten the Chiefs since Lamar Jackson's been there. They're going to they're gonna want to get this done. So, a uh, motivated team on the road. Yeah, I'm, I think there's reason to be worried about this game. Well, if you've watched ESPN this week, you know that there's a game on Monday night. Would there have been enough commercials in everything related <laughs> to football that you know that this Mahomes and Jackson matchup is happening. I ended up tweeting out yesterday, this is the first time in NFL history that two former MVPs under the age of 26 will meet in a matchup. So some historical action happening on Monday night on this editor's show. We'll give you a brief injury update. Uh, We'll talk about Patrick Mahomes being a Times Top 100 influential man. Harrison Butker named special teams player of the week and the chiefs protect two practice squad players. We will talk about that and what it means for the game on Monday night. We'll take a quick break and we'll go through our five questions heading into Monday night football. And then of course it's Thursday. So we'll give you the best chiefs thing I heard all week. Great editors show ahead. It'll be a little shorter because there just hasn't been a lot of news today. Actually marks on Thursday here, the first press conference of the week, everything gets shifted a day. So this is probably going to be the only, I would say abbreviated, Thursday editor's show of the year, but there are some things to get to. So let's get into it. First thing, John, want to give everyone a brief injury review. We talked about injuries on Tuesday. I'll be honest with you. We have no new information, but just in case you didn't listen to the Tuesday edition of the editor's show, I'll just run through them quickly here. Colin Saunders has moved to injured reserve. So that means he'll be out for at least the next two weeks. So no Saunders right now. The good thing is the Chiefs get Mike Pinnell back this week. We think that seems to be a reasonable conclusion to make. Alex Okafor has been dealing with a hamstring injury. Traverius Ward, a fractured hand. That kept him out of last game. We're also monitoring Frank Clark and his stomach bug issues. Antonio Hamilton and his groin. 
Sammy Watkins' header neck from that dirty hit by Denzel Perriman of the Chargers. And then Daryl Williams with the ankle. We did see Darwin Thompson in some big spots against the L.A. Chargers. Wonder what that means for how the Chiefs feel about maybe Clyde and his pass protection and those short yarded situations. We know that the running backs coach was a little bit upset about him not necessarily following his keys at the goal line. I wonder if that's why we saw Darwin Thompson uh, see some action last game. We talked on the last show about injuries and their impact. So if you want more insight on these injuries, go back to that last editor's show. John, you took this article for us. Patrick Mahomes is a Times Top 100 influential man. What did you make of this? Well, it's a big honor, actually. You know, this is a list of people that include, you know, world leaders. Angela Merkel is on there. Both presidential candidates are on there. Lots of world leaders, uh, lots of scientists, um, all kinds of people like that, but also some entertainers who are influential in their own ways. And in the list that the part of the list that Mahomes is on, there were three athletes and Mahomes was one of them. Um, and what they're really measuring here with this list, which they do every year, by the way, have for a couple of decades now, um, is find the people who are making the greatest influence on our society uh, by a lot of different standards. And, Mahomes certainly deserves to be on this list. Right. Um, you know, we're talking about a guy who almost single-handedly made the NFL change its long-standing policies about certain things uh, just by appearing in a video. And, uh, you know, he got to that point because of the platform he possesses for being such a generational talent. Um, and, of course, he worked hard to get there. But he also, once he had that platform, decided he was going to use it. And uh, that's what's put him on this list with a lot of big names uh, from around the world. It's really cool. I think it's an honor to see a Chiefs player on this list. I think Kansas City, especially being a football town, has waited a very long time for this type of thing. I think you make a great point when it comes to his influence because Patrick Mahomes decided to get involved in something this offseason the commissioner in the league, their hand was forced. Whether mm -hmm. you completely agree with that or not, of course, is your right. But he is no doubt influential because the NFL, it's hard to argue that it's not the greatest sports entity, the most watched sports entity in all of the United States of America. And so, wow, um, another accolade for Mahomes. And the list just continues on and on uh, for him. I thought what was really cool about this honor is that Derek Jeter was the author of Mahomes' portion, and this was a player that Mahomes looked up to when he was a kid in baseball circles with his dad, and it is someone that we've compared him to, or at least I've compared him to you know, with my New York roots about how he handles himself after games with the community, within the media, even though he is as uh, big a prodigy as you could possibly get at his age right now of, of 25, handles himself in a humble manner and like a true pro. And it reminds me of Derek Jeter as a young player in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and, and Mahomes readily acknowledges this. He talked about it when he was on The Shop uh, back in the beginning of the year um, on that HBO show, The Shop. 
and mentioned Jeter by name as one of the people that that he really looked up to when he was hanging around major league ballparks with his dad. So, uh, you know, comes full circle. You know, uh, Jeter, who is himself a former Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, another uh, honor very much like the one that Mahomes has received, uh, given to him not only for his on-field prowess, but for what he does off the field, uh, you know, gets to write about Mahomes as this is the guy that that needs to be on this list. It's really kind of fascinating to look at all of it. Um, Some of them are people you've never heard of you know, who have uh, done little tiny things that are scientific or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, that Titans list has a former fair, uh, chair of the Federal Reserve on it. I mean, you know, right. it's <laughs> this. It's I got to say, though, you know, I'm just trying to think about this here from my own perspective. And of course, we're not going to relate to these pro ball players, but this would be at least in my personal career and the aspirations that I have is somewhere down the line, like, Rich Eisen or Reese Davis writing something about my career. Like that's got to yeah. be a surreal yeah. feeling for Patrick sure. Mahomes uh, and good for him. And, and I'm just going to read an excerpt of Jeter and then we'll move on here. Uh, that joy and loyalty drive his work ethic and the hours of practice and studying he puts in to be the best he can be. It drives his ability to stay calm, steady, and focused when challenges arise, whether in the middle of the biggest game or over the course of a long season. And most important, it drives his competitive fire and strong leadership qualities, which just continue to grow. That from, of course, the ultimate leader of Major League Baseball, Derek Jeter, has had a tough time as he's the Marlins, what, CEO slash owner. But during his playing career, it didn't get... Uh, any better, I think, than than Jeter. Even I, I think you could even, of course, say that from a, a Kansas City perspective when it comes to being a complete uh, player. All right, enough about Patrick Mahomes. We talk about Patrick Mahomes enough on the show, right? Let's we talk do. about some kicker kicker action here. Uh, Harrison Butker named the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week for Week Two. What stood out to me about this wasn't much a surprise that Butker got this. What he did on Sunday was a little insane with the three kicks in a row at the end of the game, 50-plus yards, ice in his veins type deal. What surprised me here is I, as I checked the records, he's been kicking for the Chiefs for four years. This is the fourth time he's been the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, a number of game-winning kicks in his career. Uh, so good for Butker, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you certainly have to put him in the conversation as one of the top kickers in the league. I mean, he may not have some of the stats that Justin Tucker does, for example, but, uh, you know, you're talking about head of a pin kind of stuff when you get down to these field goal kickers now. Right. You know, the difference of, you know, two-tenths of a percent or whatever. Uh, it's become so competitive and it's changed so much uh, since the time that I started following this game. You know, when uh, I saw something the other day about uh, how 50-yard field goals have improved over the years. And, you know, back in the 60s, uh, a field goal of over 50 yards, you know, you had like a a 15% chance to make it. And now it's kind of routine for a lot of these NFL kickers. Um, It's one of those athletic positions that uh, athletes have figured out more and more as time has gone along, because it's not just a question of making your legs stronger. It's also being smart about how you do it and learning a technique that makes you more effective. Um, Something that wasn't really part of the equation until Kickers like Jan Stenerud came along in the 60s who really took a scientific approach to it. I know a lot of people don't like my my 
craziness about Jan Stenerud. I think he's one of the greatest field goal kickers who ever lived. And the reason why is he really changed how it was done. He wasn't the first soccer style kicker, but he was the first one who really approached it scientifically. And that approach is found in every modern NFL kicker, and it wouldn't be there without Stenerud. The only disagreement I have with you, John, about that it would be a Christmas story, but we don't have to go into that. <laughs> As everybody's watching Mahomes and Jackson this week, how about Butker and Tucker? Who knows yeah. how this goes? Yeah. This, this could be a, a very close matchup that comes down to the kicking game once again. So we'll see about that. Congratulations to Harrison Butker for being named the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Lastly, in our news, again, not a ton of news because of the schedule being pushed back a day, but this came through, I think, after we recorded on Tuesday, correct? Uh, the defensive yeah. back, Chris Lamons of the practice squad, running back DeAndre Washington, they were protected. These, this is a new option that you have in the coronavirus year that is 2020. We saw it with Braxton Hoyt, and I, I, that's where I think this becomes relevant because Hoyt was protected and then Colin Saunders was placed on IR. So this move of protecting Lamons, the DB and running back DeAndre Washington gives me the heebie jeebies, the doubts when it comes to guys like Antonio Hamilton and Darrell Williams and their possibility to be ready for Monday night. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, the circumstances are a little bit different but the unknown is uh, the extent of the injuries that Daryl Williams and uh, Antonio Hamilton have. And to me, this just seems like a pretty cheap insurance policy. Uh, the Chiefs has now made it pretty clear they didn't protect anybody in week one and right. just hoy it in week two. So I think this is something they're going to do only sparingly. Uh, still only three weeks to go on. There's not exactly a lot of information here. That Correct can, me if I'm wrong, John. A lot of teams just jumped on this option right away. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. There's a lot of teams that are protecting two players every week. Absolutely. I wonder and, if there's some strategy in that where the Chiefs were like, whoa, why draw attention on certain practice squad guys? Because if you unprotect them, they're just going to suddenly be available to the rest of the league. At it. Like these, This protection rule, we presume, won't last forever. Correct. Right. I assume this is just going to be a 2020 right. thing. But but again, you know, um, these things have a, a tendency to change once they are tried. And, right. at, and when we get through to the next offseason, there may be coaches who say, you know, we need to have this. This is something we should have all the time. And honestly, that makes a little bit of sense, because if you're going into a game and you're thinking, oh, I may have to rely on this particular practice squad player, then that opens up the possibility for another team just to sign him right? so that he isn't available for you. And I, I think that's not good for the game. That's not the kind of thing that we as fans really want to see as a, a team's trying to get competitive advantage on. So I think it makes some sense to have a couple of guys protected on the practice squad if you want. And I think you're exactly right that the Chiefs are – trying to be strategic about it. Um, I think about the, I think the first week of the season, like about two thirds of the teams uh, protected at least one player. And some teams are protecting two every week, but I think you're right. The chiefs are, are trying to be a little more strategic about it. They're only 
uh, picking them when they need to, and whether they're doing that in order to uh, keep their cards close to their vest, right? Or if they're doing it because they don't want to have the reputation of making practice squad guys not have opportunities to play on other teams. And I think that could be part of it too. You already see this a little bit in the league when it comes to bringing guys in for workouts. You actually saw it with the Ravens a week ago where they brought in Shea Patterson, who no other way to say it, John. So forgive me. Shea Patterson stinks. And it felt like they were only bringing him in potentially to get a leg up for this chiefs game. I don't think they ended up signing him, but you see that occasionally, especially uh, with Bill Belichick and uh, now, of course, uh, John Harbaugh. So um, teams will try to find advantages while they can. Chiefs being smart about this again. So it remains to be seen what happens with Hamilton and Williams. That'll certainly be a point that I'm watching when the first injury report comes out Mm -hmm. on Thursday. We'll post that at Arrowhead Pride. Coming up next, it's the Chiefs and Ravens. We have our five questions heading into Monday Night Football, plus the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, second editor's show of the week. We're excited about Monday Night Football. This is this is it. This is why we do our, our job here to, 
to cover games like this between Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, two former MVPs going head to head. Our our Arrowhead Pride Laboratory guys will have your preview of this game tomorrow when we dive into the X's and O's, what they're thinking as far as the points to watch right now. We'll ask our five general questions heading into this game. I'll start and then John will take over with a question or two of his own. My first question is who will be this week's read guy against the Baltimore Ravens? It seems like the chiefs like to focus on one of their skill position players in each and every game. And I'm going to lean on Clyde Edwards, Alaire. I think he makes a comeback from his week one, um, 138 yard effort. I think he's another point of emphasis in this game. And I also like Travis Kelsey uh, against some of these linebackers for the Baltimore Ravens. Want to go back to Clyde though, uh, among running backs in the league, the Ravens right now through two weeks are allowing 4.89 yards to running backs. Now don't get me wrong. They were up big in the first two weeks. So that's going to help that number a little bit. But running backs are doing damage against a team where other positions, frankly, are not. And so I see the Chiefs relying on Clyde, especially proving that he can do some damage on the ground in that week one game. And this is a, another team where I think you're going to want to keep the ball in Mahomes' hands and out of Lamar Jackson's hands as much, much as possible. So I, I'm thinking maybe we see a little bit more of a methodical offense. I also like the idea of Travis Kelsey being that bigger-bodied guy who is just going to catch passes and continue to work the, work the ball down the field for the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, after getting 138 yards in that first week one game against the Texans, uh, everybody couldn't stop themselves from talking about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, and appropriately so. He, after that first week, he was leading the NFL in rushing yards. Um, and then in the following week against the Chargers, the Chiefs passed the ball twice as often as they ran the ball. Um, so I think you're, you're asking a good question if the Chiefs might choose against the Ravens to run the ball a little more. And if they do, uh, we should see uh, more of a performance along the lines of week one from Edwards Alaire. Right now, I, I think where I, I bring up Kelsey is that Chuck Clark is probably in line, the safety for the Ravens, probably in line to, to be a matchup against Kelsey. And it seems like there's been a theme the past few weeks where teams are playing coverage, at least according to Mahomes, playing their, their guys back and giving extra attention to Tyreek Hill. There's extra attention to Tyree Kill and Chuck Clark versus Travis Kelsey. I like I like the chances for Kelsey. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that that to me is a point to watch. So I think your your two read guys against the Ravens are Clyde and Travis. John, let's go to your uh, question. Question number two about Monday Night Football. Well, we had this game against the Chargers on Sunday, and of course, uh, when fans coming out of a game like that, when uh, Patrick Mahomes is under a lot of pressure, and he certainly was under a lot of pressure, only one sack given up, as I recall, on Sunday. But uh, there wasn't any doubt that the Chargers were in his face throughout the game, and it affected what he was able to do and how well he was able to play. And as a fan, you come out of that game thinking, oh my God, the offensive line was terrible. Uh, you know, that's the easy thing to do as a fan is everything is about your team. Your team is bad. Your team is good. But I think it's fair to ask whether or not that was more about the Chargers defensive line, which is widely regarded as a very good one. It's certainly got some great players on there. 
um, whether it was more about the Chargers defensive line than it was about the Chiefs offensive line. And I think we'll start to get that answer uh, in, in this game against the Ravens. Yeah, I, I think you're making a good point where I think I might slightly disagree with you is I think the Ravens front is pretty good. Well, yeah, they well. are. Yeah, they're and not so bad. Yeah. What we've seen through the first two weeks is the Chiefs O-line at times struggling against good fronts where I think you may get answers to the question you're asking is if you continue to see those struggles against maybe a more average mm-hmm. front, but right. you would like to see improvement in this game nonetheless. I mean, it's not like you're going to be playing pushovers all season, especially when you get to the stretch here. And in Kansas City, as we've talked about a number of times, it is now Super Bowl or bust. So you have to win in the playoffs and you're only going to be facing good fronts in the playoffs. Right. You'll have to be able to play against a good defensive front. And clearly, uh, the, the whatever the cause, the Chargers got the better of the Chiefs offensive line this past Sunday. So, yes, we do need to see some improvement there. But I think we need to maybe think it's we might want to adjust our expectations of them against a really good uh, defensive line and recognize that it's the other guy gets paid to play as well. I think it's real easy to forget that as a fan watching the game uh, that, you know, these other guys, they're all top athletes too. And sometimes they're just better than you are. Um, and so that's one of the things I'm, I'm going to be watching for this week is see how the offensive line does against the Ravens. Cause you're right. They're not a bad, they're not a bad group at all. Uh, it, I just wonder if the chargers group was uh, maybe a little better than we expected. Point number three, will the Chiefs tackling improve against the Ravens? This has to improve. If the tackling doesn't improve against the Baltimore Ravens, the Chiefs are going to lose. And so that's just a straight point there. Uh, This is a very tough team to tackle to begin with. When you think about Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, uh, J.K. Dobbins, the rookies looked really good. Some talented receivers in Hollywood Brown and Willie Sneed. I worry about this matchup with the tight end. Uh, You know, I talked about Travis Kelsey being a factor for the Chiefs. But Mark Andrews, who's one of the more athletic tight ends in the league, up-and-comer, if you will, against a guy like Anthony Hitchens or some of those other Chiefs linebackers, it just does not instill confidence in me when they've struggled at the second level these first couple games. Tackling and showing that you could tackle early in this game will be pivotal. I don't know if the Chiefs give the same effort that they did against teams that are pretty good. I, I, I don't think the Texans are bad. I don't think the Chargers are, are bad. The Ravens are elite. So you have right. to have improved tackling in this game if you're going to win. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you can't really talk too much about the other team being better if you just can't fail to tackle, if you just fail to tackle. Uh, and there was plenty of that on display against the Chargers. That's something the Chiefs definitely need to, to clean up. And, you know, it happens uh, on teams, even good teams, uh, with some frequency, sometimes you'll you'll see a really good team go out there and their tackling is really poor. I think it's harder to see if it's not your team that's <laughs> that's uh, that's having guys slip through their fingers all the time. I think it's a lot easier for fans of, their, uh, of either your own team when you're watching the game. If your team isn't making tackles, it's a lot easier for you to notice. But um, you know, the Chiefs definitely had that problem. On Sunday, and they're going to have to clean that up. If if the Ravens can come out there and get you know three or four extra yards on every run because the Chiefs are missing tackles, that's not going to bode well for the Chiefs' chances to win the game. 
All right, John, question number four. Is Lamar Jackson really getting better as a passer? You know, and I'm one of these people. Uh, I, I, I tend to poo-poo Lamar Jackson as, you know, one of these generational talents who's going to challenge Patrick Mahomes throughout his career because I have not been sold on his ability as a passer, as a quarterback. Uh, to me, he's always seemed like kind of a one-trick pony, uh, a guy like Russell Wilson who is able to make plays with his legs so well that they use him as an additional offensive weapon. And I think a player like that can do very well when he's a young man, right. but as his, as his career advances and he gets wear and tear on his body and uh, teams learn how to defend against him by putting a spy on him or whatever, whatever technique they want to use, then that becomes less of a threat from that particular player. And in the end, it always comes down to what kind of a quarterback they are. And I think there's definitely a narrative that Lamar Jackson is one of these guys that when he is no longer able to rush effectively as a quarterback, that he's not going to be much of a quarterback, but the numbers don't really bear that out. Right. Um, You know, his first season, that was a fair narrative of him as a player. But last year, his passing was substantially better, and it's been really good <laughs> in these first two games of the season. Right. So we're going to have to ask the question uh, whether Lamar Jackson, if he can continue to do that, one of his worst games last year was against the Chiefs, uh, not for nothing. And if the Chiefs can hold him back again, then they'll have a very good chance to win the game. But uh, in these first two weeks, he's been superb. And uh, it's a little worrisome to guys like me who are carrying that narrative around with them. I know that on the film, it, it, it sometimes seems like if, if Lamar wasn't running, he wouldn't be as dynamic a player as he is. But he actually had a, the same completion percentage as Patrick Mahomes last year. I think it was yep. uh, mid-60s. And then he's among the top, I believe, two or three, like 77% of his passes through two games. Sample size is really small there. Sure, yeah. I tend to agree with your point where I don't think he could sustain a 15-year career right. running as much as he does. That I agree with. As far as his passing, it's hard to argue with the numbers, especially last year where he was on mm-hmm. the same plane as Mahomes. And, and right now, he's playing right with Russell Wilson, maybe in that MVP uh, standpoint. What, what's a hard truth right now and and please bear with me again. It's, it's two weeks. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are playing better than Patrick Mahomes right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Lamar Jackson is one of them. And you'd like to see that change if you're a chiefs fan on Monday night. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, what it shows is that there's a possibility that Lamar Jackson could, uh, let me put it this way. What we have learned in the first couple of weeks of the NFL season as Russell Wilson has um, suddenly become a guy who's throwing the ball all over the yard, as Herm Edwards used to say. Um, That's the kind of player Lamar Jackson could be if he gets that far along in his career and continues to improve as a passer. Because Russell Wilson has been terrific through the first couple of games of the season, just like Jackson has been. But he hasn't been doing it the way that he's become accustomed in Seattle, they're using him more as a 
as a as a regular NFL passing quarterback rather than a guy who is a threat on the ground. Final question for me entering this game, and then I have a bonus point I thought of as we were talking about this game. So, what, wow. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the bang for you, Buck, on this show is just incredible. Sorry, if it's not on the show rundown, we're not doing it. I don't Can, know. Okay, and come on. <laughs> yes, we are. Can Legereus <laughs> Sneed continue to bring it every week? I think this is going to be a challenge. I mentioned the tackling thing because of all the weapons. These wide receivers are, are pretty good. He's been doing a good job so far, again, through two weeks. This is a young player. Andy Reid will be the first to remind you that you're as good as your next game. And the Chiefs need him, at least for two more games, maybe more, considering he's playing himself into maybe a starting role here. Rashad Breland... Um, We'll get back week five, but Lejarius Sneed is making a case that he shouldn't be replaced. Like you may, you may get to week five, and your starters might be Lejarius Sneed and Bashad Breland, and maybe Charvarius Ward, uh, who did struggle toward the end of last year, as our film guys would point out, uh, will be replaced. But Sneed, uh, as Matt Lane did in his fabulous review on ArrowheadPride.com right now. Uh, the, the signs are good so far. Lane pointed out that he's been better on the outside than he has been in the slot, but that was the expectation when the Chiefs sure. drafted him in the fourth yeah. round. They've just had to slide him in because they're just shorthanded. You hope that doesn't kill them against the Ravens. I think going back to the injuries, Charverius Ward's availability this week will be key. I hope he can wrap up that hand uh, and make it a club and play in this game because the Ravens are just this high-powered offense that can beat you in a lot of ways. Lamar Jackson's going to require attention with one of your guys as a, as a spy, and so that takes one player out of being able to defend these talented pass catchers. Jerry Sneed, I think, is going to need to play well again this week, maybe more importantly than even the previous two weeks. Tyron Matthew will be a big part of that as well. Yeah, uh, Snead has been a very pleasant surprise. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. I think even to the Chiefs to an extent. Like, yeah. I, I think yeah. the way that Steve Spagnuolo was talking about Snead toward the end of training camp, didn't we look at each other and we're like, oh, no. And yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. he's been fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spagnuolo made it pretty clear that he wasn't going to put really high expectations on Snead based on his remarks. And even going into the first week of the season, we didn't even think he was going to get that many snaps uh, on the field. And yet we find out after the week one game that they told him in the last week of training camp he was going to be starting. So, you know, there was a little bit of sleight of hand going on there with Spagnolo, and that's okay. That's part of his job is to not just telegraph everything you're going to do to the other team through the media. That's okay. We, we expect that. But it was a bit of surprise because he had spoken as if he had such a long way to go uh, that we might not see him on the field at all, uh, and and which is why we expected to see more of Antonio Hamilton in the defense uh, in the first couple of weeks of the season. But it's been all Sneed all the time up to this point. One final point on defensive backs, and this has to do with the Ravens' defensive backs. Marcus Peters, Chiefs yeah. curse word for you. Marcus Peters has had an interception against both of his previous teams already. Remember, he intercepted a pass against the Chiefs to seal the game when they lost to the Rams. And then, as a member of the Ravens, he intercepted the Rams. I think that he is certainly a player to watch. I think his ball skills remain really undefeated when it comes to the NFL. The interceptions, I don't have them in front of me, but since he started his career, his interceptions are like eight ahead of the rest of the league. 
I also think there's an angle there for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to take advantage because, you know, we know Marcus Peters. He is going to be a player looking to intercept the football. Try, try to find ways to, to use some of that aggression to your advantage. I don't know if it's a hitch and go. I don't know if it's giving a guy like Travis Kelsey or Sammy Watkins, if he draws that matchup, the option where you, it's like an option route where you sort of play off of Peter's aggression. That's going to be a matchup to watch. And, and I, I just think, you know, the emotion, use that to your advantage. Yeah, this is uh, part of the big grand chess game that always goes on in an NFL game. On the one hand, you've got a former player playing against his former team. You know he's going to have motivation to go up there and make big plays, to make the turnover, make the big play in front of the home, the well, no crowd in Baltimore this week, but in, in front of the home crowd if one exists. And so he's got a lot of motivation there. But on the other hand, He's facing a team that knows him very well right? and knows his limitations and uh, more so than most teams would. So uh, you're right. This will be a very interesting matchup to watch with Peters because he'll be motivated and we know he's a quality player. But on the other hand, the Chiefs know him well. All right. Those are your five questions again. Keep it locked in on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network because our lab guys will dive in even deeper into the X's and O's in their game preview that posts on Friday morning. Right now, it's time for the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. And this one comes from Sirius XM NFL Radio, the Blitz with Brett Favre and Bruce Murray. Andy Reid was on their program. We put this on arrowheadpride.com. But Andy Reid talking about the similarities between Patrick Mahomes and Brett Favre. They're, they're two, they're two different people, right? I mean, they're different. Uh, obviously we're all different. So, but when I had a chance to listen to those two, just sit back and listen to them when they did that little TV deal, um, I'm going, Oh my God, these guys, they think alike when that football's in their hand. It's the same thought process. They both have phenomenal vision, just like, you know, fighter pilot vision, they see everything. And then they got, they're going to rip your heart out, man. I mean, they're, they're every throw, they're going to try to gut you. And, um, and I, I went, I felt like I was 20 years younger uh, when, when they, when they were talking, it was, it was crazy. Uh, the similarities on how they see the game and yes, he would have thrown it. Yeah. <laughs> he would have thrown it. Yeah. Would absolutely. Have gotten the same result is the question. Well, yeah, no, he he's in the Hall of Fame, man. He got a lot of he got a lot of results. <laughs> yeah, he put he made a lot. This is a, listen. These are the the badges of honor for a quarterback. Is how many head coaches you put out there, and I'm one of them. So I mean, yeah, and I, I I'm serious about that. And and Mooch was one of them, and the list goes on. John Gruden and so on. So there are a bunch of us that had an opportunity to be Ray Rhodes, opportunity to be a head coach because of Brett Favre and. You know, and Mike Holmgren too, but Brett Brett was the one with the ball in his hand. Well, we had a lot of fun, a uh, lot of good memories. Uh, if if we had enough time, we could tell some stories. Yeah, uh, we could. Yeah, we yeah. could. Yeah, yeah, uh, good. Yeah, both ways, right? I mean, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but that yeah, that's absolutely. what it's all about. A couple of points coming out from that soundbite. Uh, 
Reed essentially saying is saying there without saying it because he would never just say come out and say this. But with Patrick Mahomes, we're dealing with a much more athletic Brett Favre in a sense because they they think the same, they operate the same. We respect Brett Favre so much as we we look at the history of the league, and Patrick Mahomes is just a more athletic player than Brett Favre. He can do more, and I think we saw that a little bit on Sunday. I. I think about Mahomes and I think about this Ravens game and you're seeing the odds come out from Las Vegas and I just know Patrick Mahomes and, and that's why, don't get me wrong, I'm worried about this game, but you're going to see me pick the Chiefs on arrowheadpride.com and it's because I'm not going to bet against ticked off Mahomes. He's already getting disrespected because of these first two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. goes back to Brett Favre a little bit as well. Brett Favre was the same type of player and then I thought it was really cool that Andy Reid uh, credited Brett Favre with his opportunity to become a head coach. Uh, Reed has always been the guy that credits those around him, even though his work ethic is unmatched maybe in the entire NFL, aside from Bill Belichick. But I think you see that rub off on Mahomes a little bit, just like the Jeter thing that we talked about in, in segment one is just being able to realize that he couldn't have done it alone. And so cool for him to thank a legitimate person and you can kind of you're kind of just a fly on the wall when you're listening to a, a program like that. But thanking Brett Favre for allowing him and and being a part of the reason he be he became a head coach. I I think I agree with you um, that that Mahomes is more athletic than Favre was during the prime of his career. But I think it's a relatively small difference. I would point out that the difference in Mahomes' intelligence is much more significant than it is with Favre. And that's reflected in how few interceptions he throws. Um, I don't have the figures in front of me, but I think uh, I don't think I'd be talking out of school to say that Favre threw a lot more interceptions than Mahomes does. And, uh, and I think that he was a lot more of a schoolyard player than Mahomes is becoming right. at this point in his career. Um, so I would say that that might be a greater difference between them. None of that takes away from what Andy Reid was saying is that they had the same approach to the game in terms of, you know, their aggressiveness and the way they look at it and what he called, uh, fighter pilot vision. I loved that because that's exactly what they have. Not only the ability to see the field, but to see it so quickly and process it so quickly. Uh, that it becomes a major asset for them. In that respect, I think those two quarterbacks are exactly the same and on a par with a player like Peyton Manning, uh, who had that ability in spades, but never had the same athletic ability that either Mahomes or Favre have. That is the sweet, sultry voice of my deputy editor, John Dixon. You can get him on Twitter at Arrow Headphones. I'm available at PG Sween. Please follow us and also follow at Arrowhead Pride for all your Chiefs news and notes. Visit ArrowheadPride.com. We'll keep you updated as we get ready for Monday night football, the Chiefs and the Ravens. Keep it locked in on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. The Arrowhead Pride Laboratory preview is coming at you Friday morning. So we are excited about that. Thank you for listening once again to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd Call on mom? Sam? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.